Welcome to the Everything Eichler podcast brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. And today I'm sitting here with Jonathan Linnae. And what's awesome is he is the general manager of Bear Archery. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. I'm excited. So talk to me a little bit about, I mean, anybody that's been listening to my podcast or know a little knows a little bit about my history, knows that I basically started out my archery career at Bear Archery. Um, I worked under Frank Scott, and who is just fascinating, yep. fascinating man. Um, and I think I've said this before, but some people don't know. I watched Frank string a 70-pound, you know, bear recurve with, you know, the old, not stepping on it, but kind of putting it in instep. your instep mm-hmm. and, and flexing it over. And I watched him do that. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was, he had to be at least 70 at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, holy chowder, where I could do that. You know, here I am, 6'2". I thought I was kind of tough, you know. And I'm like, well, hand me that thing. And I, how I didn't poke an eye out or break my <laughs> neck. I was tr- I was twisted up at that bow. But there, there's such an amazing history at the company you're at. And I have to tell you, me and Tim, actually, who's, who's helping me run the podcast, we were just down in Florida not long ago. We were doing some Osceola turkey hunting. Um, but we had an absolute blast. But after Tim left, I went over to Bear Archery just to pull into the parking lot sure. and take a picture of the sign. And, and I was going to make a post of that because it was pretty neat. But, but Jonathan, tell me about your history and how you ended up as general manager at Bear Archery. And, and as we used to say back in the day, we were so proud. We used Because Bear Archery was at the time when I was working there, the largest archery manufacturing you know what I mean, plant in the world. Sure. Like we were doing sure. more of everything. It was super neat. But how'd you, how'd you get there, man? How'd you wind up at Bear? Yeah, so I've spent the last almost 20 years um, of my career in this industry. So I've been around. I spent um, the first 12 years at PSE um, as a national accounts guy there. And then uh, in 2016, I was approached by a private equity group, um, Arcus, um, out of New York, and um, yes, they own Tinks and Dead Down One and some of the other you know cool brands. And so did that for um, almost five years. And then this last summer, I got a call from Bear Archery looking for a, a GM to kind of run the archery brand. So you know all of our stuff, Bear Trophy Ridge, Crossbow Business. And uh, the cool thing about it was that I've always admired Bear Archery. I mean, obviously Fred Bear, an icon in this industry. It's it's you know even from an outside being in a competitor, right? It was just really, really cool. And my father-in-law had spent 30 plus years in this industry as well. So a lot of the old stories of Fred and Tom Jennings, Pete Shepley and MR James. And so I had that history and that background even before I was in this industry. So that that was pretty cool. So they called in August and um, the really random thing about it was that I lived 10 miles from our headquarters in Evansville. Are you kidding? Grew up, grew up 10 miles from there, spent my entire career working for competitors, but living 10 miles from Bear Archery. <laughs> How so, neat is that? So, and let's totally explain random. because we talked about Bear Archery being in sure. Janesville and they're also in Evansville. So if you would, for yeah, people yeah. that are listening, break down that, you know, how that, how that works out. Sure. So, um, our, our overall parent company is Escalade Sports. So, yes, um, we do anything and everything when it comes to families and the outdoors. I mean, basketball and ping pong and cornhole, water, cornhole, water sports. I mean, we've billiards, we've got a bunch of different stuff. Well, the Bear Archery piece of that is one as well as part of that Escalade. So the headquarters is in Evansville. So we run sales and marketing, engineering, product management, all out of the Evansville facility. And then all of our manufacturing is done in Gainesville. So compound bows, all the warehousing, 
our traditional product line is all done in Gainesville. Yep, the Expo line, so pretty right. much everything over there. Yes. Great. I just wanted to break that down yeah, for yeah. people so they didn't get confused because I sure. was like, I was just at the plant. <laughs> and and yeah, I know I the it. main offices now are yeah, based yeah. out of Evansville. Absolutely. But I think that's that's interesting stuff. So so you got called in because you're good. You had a lot of history yeah. in the industry. Well, obviously, right. I mean, you, that that's a that's a pretty cool position to be in. Um, it was right in your wheelhouse. I mean, it was 10 miles away. It's right in your backyard. Yeah. What's been... The most fun about being the general manager at Bear? Uh, I mean, obviously, working for an iconic brand is is awesome, right? That that's first and foremost. But the cool thing about it's like John Deere. Everybody's heard of Bear Archery. Everybody's heard of it, right. absolutely. And the thing that I love about our brand in general and the brands we own, you know, we're not just a brand for one kind of customer. Like you know, we we talked about the family and getting everybody involved and being able to outfit my six year old daughter or an eighty year old man. You know, everybody in between. And it's at all price points. So, I mean, we are the iconic name in traditional archery. It's still hand-built in Gainesville. Really cool. We do crossbows. We know what the crossbow market's, you know, doing right now and the growth there. Um, but like I said, we've got bows at $199. we have got them at 999 So that, to me, was the cool part about leading a group that, you know, we're not just focusing on one segment of this business. We've got something for everybody. And so, I mean, that, that was the coolest part. And then I just love what Bear Archery stands for. I love family. I love, um, you know, getting people in the outdoors. We talked about it not being just about, you know, the trophy hunting, right? right. This, yeah. is, this is, I mean, yes, sometimes you eat a lot of tags, right? But what is the experience about? Like getting people into the outdoors and even recreational and, and um, you know, competition archery, right? We, we build the stuff to get people outdoors and get them into the sport. And then we hope that we uh, retain them on the hunting side. See, I love that you guys have kept that philosophy, and that's that's one of the reasons, and, and one of the things that felt like going back home, you know, to, to Bear Archery for me was, is that was always Fred Bear's philosophy. You know, one of the best marketing campaigns ever was be a two-season hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, he was not, you know, I tell everybody, you have to be a big tent theory guy. You know what I mean? You know, hunters, whether you're muzzleloader, rifle, atlatl, bow, it, it doesn't, handgun, we're we're too small of a segment to, to splinter off, and we all need to stick together. Where do you personally enjoy, you know, the recurve or the crossbow or the rifle or whatever it is? You know, we all need to stick together. And Fred had such amazing insight uh, into that, and his whole be a two season hunter. It was such a unique approach. It wasn't, hey, I'm better than you because. I like hunting with the recurve. It was a, hey, extend your time in the field. And that's what it's all about. It's not, nobody's better than somebody else. You know, if you shoot a rifle, you cross, but whatever it is, I'm I'm tickled with it all. But Fred Bear just seemed to transcend time with, you know, it was just such a, it was such a great marketing campaign. You know, let's just extend your time in the field. You don't have to always use a bow, but hey, you don't have to always use a rifle. And if you go archery, you know, then you're going to spend more time in the field. And I tell guys that all the time. Man, in the States, you can do it. Hunt with a bow, a muzzleloader, a rifle, go bird hunting with a shotgun, pick up a 22 rimfire, chase squirrels. It's all about spending time in the field. It's more days in the field. And we say that about the growth in this industry in general. And I, you know, I look at it and we're not multiplying the numbers of hunters in, in huge amounts, right? So I always say, like what you just said, we've got to stick together. I think the, the politics of, you know, like you said, gun hunting, bow hunting, which season, how you hunt, where you hunt, like get past that, right? Just work together. Um, I, I really think that this past year with COVID, obviously there were some struggles um, in people's lives and just the, the world, but the archery and hunting community thrived. Uh, it was one of those cool situations where people couldn't do a lot of things. And so they reverted back to sports. We saw it on our sports side with basketball and everything else, but, but archery, especially people, 
found an activity they could do at home. They could do with family in the woods, hunting, fishing, that kind of stuff just, just thrives. So um, I think we've got a huge amount of people that we got into this sport, whether it's on the hunting side or recreational archery, um, in the last you know twelve to eighteen months, and I think that uh, I think we're going to retain them. I really believe that. So um, this is probably the biggest growth we've seen in this sport in the last ten to twelve years. Oh, I, I'd agree with you one hundred percent. And the numbers point to that, and it's and to your point about you know COVID, obviously a horrible deal, and you know for the whole country and the world, really, it impacted everybody in the world. But if there was a shining light, silver lining, however you want to put it, yep. uh, of COVID, it would be that people kind of got back together. You know, they were they were doing fun stuff together. They were going out into the woods. There was a lot more people hunting. License sales in some states were up like 26%, like unbelievable numbers. Um, super excited. And I got impacted because I went out to actually go buy one of your guys' ping pong tables. <laughs> and they were like, we don't have any ping pong tables. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, how does Bass Pro or Cabela's, not, you're, you're bought out of it. They were like, we, were. we got nothing, man. Everybody's coming here and bought everything yeah we had a record year as, as an entire company um and i was having this conversation with my wife the other night because we've got three kids um how old are your kids my, my oldest is uh 14 boy middle boy is 11 and then my daughter is um is eight good ages and for playing it's, it's a lot of fun but we had the conversation that you know i've spent the last really 16 years of my career uh traveling all the time like since the time we were married i never had more than 10 days at home in a single stretch. Like that was the most we'd ever been together in a row. And last year, once March hit, I quit traveling and I'd always worked from home, but I quit traveling. Right. And, um, like a lot of people, you know, I mean, it was just yeah, trips yeah. canceled, but the kids didn't have travel sports and they didn't have a lot of the activities that we normally did spring and summer. And 2020 was the best year for us as a family. That's so and, great. And, and your wife still loves you. And she, hey, you spent all that time with her. And she was ready for me to travel she, now. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but yeah, so no, I, I was worried that she was going to kill me. I wasn't worried about killing her, but I think she was going to kill me. <laughs> I heard so many stories like that. Like, man, I, I actually love my wife. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, or there were a lot of divorces. It was crazy. It, was, it seemed yeah. like it didn't. There was no middle ground. No, People no. either got way together like, oh, man, this is awesome. Or, oh, no, this is not the person. But, but I'm guilty of the fact that I've got boys and even my daughter that are ages where they want to shoot bows, right? And they want to do this stuff. And because I'm in the industry and the amount of time I spend doing that, I was guilty of not taking that time. And this last year, we had the time to do it. So, I mean, it was, you know, shooting bows in the backyard and turkey hunting and a lot of fishing and just, like I said, just really good family time. So, and I, and I think that really did personify what, what we are at Bear and kind of what we stand for. So, um, I'm excited to be a part of it. That's pretty exciting. Now, I got I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I, I ask a lot of people because what's fun about the podcast to me is I get to talk to you know, owners and presidents of companies, general managers like you, you know, guys that are corporate or, you know, or, or higher ups, but that are, you know, and as I'm talking to you, you're wearing a pair of jeans, you know, comfortable shirt, you, you know, you've, you've been out hunting, you know, you've been having a blast. I'd like to think, yeah. right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, went out, went out yesterday and, and, uh, had some fun. You, um, Ryan got a bird. Who got a bird? Ryan got a bird. Ryan got a bird last and night. Steve got a bird last night. This is our first day, but you know, you're wearing some hiking shoes. You don't look like a, Corporate guy is what I'm trying I'm to say. I'm a redneck corporate guy. That's exactly right. Yeah, I was trying I mean, to I was trying to beat around the bush. I didn't want to insult you, but yeah, you. So you know, I, I just want people to understand you. You're an outdoorsman. You've you've been involved in the industry. You love the hunting, but what? Out of curiosity, one of the questions I'll ask people is, you know, what do you love about your job? What's exciting about it? 
and, and what's the toughest thing about your job? So, you know, I'm curious and people may be going, huh, I wonder what, you know, what, what sure. a GM, you know, what do they do exactly? So if you don't mind sharing with people a little bit about what falls in your wheelhouse, your responsibilities, yeah, sure. and then, you know, just be open. And, and like, sometimes I see the people that's horrible to say, but as yeah. an outfitter, you know, as a guide, I spend a lot of time and 99% of them are awesome. And I get along with, I can get along with dang near anybody, you know, if the majority of outdoorsmen and outdoors women are just good people. But every once in a while you'll have that person and you're like, Ooh, man, we just don't click. Yeah. And so those are the ones I just off to the other guide. Yeah. But if I was to say it was, <laughs> there was a Tim's grinning because sometimes he <laughs> knows. Yeah. But if, you know, it's always interesting to me. So if you don't mind, share what your responsibilities at Bear as, as the GM are and also uh, what your favorite parts of the job are sure. and also some of the challenges. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, just from a, a standpoint of responsibility, I, I run our brand. So um, I've got, I guess, ultimate responsibility for this team and the decisions we make, uh, whether they're good or bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> you got to own all yeah, of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we want to make cool products and we want to, you know, make the best products we can, but we also are here as a business, right? We've got, we've got to turn a profit. Otherwise, you know, we're out of business. (laughs) You know, I'd hate to take Fred's 80 year business and, and uh, (laughs) and destroy it. Um, So, so that's a big responsibility, but so everything from um, overseeing the sales team. So we've got, um, actually we're one of the last really manufacturers that still has an in-house on the road sales group. So we've got nine guys that cover the country from top to bottom, um, most people, you know, have kind of moved to rep groups or out right. house, but we've still got our in-house group. See, I think that's important. I don't mean to cut I you really off, do. but let me just, I do. and for people that don't know, let me explain why. Don't get me wrong. I know some great guys, some great rep groups that are out there, but having managed an archery shop myself, sometimes a rep, and, and what we mean by that is a representative of certain different sporting goods products uh, normally. So you may have somebody that reps Muzzy and they also rep um, Millennium Tree Stands, and they also rep, um, you know, we, we're a litany of, you know, Easton sure. arrows and, Baba, you know, and bear archery bows. And so they usually don't work with competitive products, but they may have 10 to 15, 30 lines. So the, the tough thing is, and, you know, I think what you mean by that is I've had guys walk in and the rep makes money based on the percentage of product that they sell. No they, they get a percentage of that. So a lot of times, People would walk into the shop that I manage, and the reps were pushing their highest margin stuff. The lower margin stuff wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't get a lot of attention on it. They were trying to push product, and they only had so much time for each product category. So I think that's important that you guys are doing that. So expand on that just a little sure. bit on your on your rep group. And I wanted people that were listening, you know, to understand what a, what a rep does. That's a representative of different companies that are basically walking into the owners of these shops, managers, or the buyers, and saying, Here's the companies that I represent. I think you should buy XYZ product, whatever it is, um, and let me help you get an order together. And, you know, I'm going to make sure you've got it, which is a great job. There's a lot of rep groups and a lot of reps yeah. that I know that are terrific. But most of them, to make a living, have to rep a bunch of different products. You guys have your own. Yeah, and I see the benefits of both. Obviously, I've been on that side of the table um, and was yeah, for a you lot started of years. out. Yeah, as a rep. Yeah. So um, the thing I like about it is that. I mean, they work for the company. So um, becoming product experts, right? If we need them somewhere, t- there's nothing else that takes priority. Um, as long as we can afford to do it and offset the travel and the other stuff, which is becoming more expensive. Um, but I don't want that to be a hindrance to my guys being on the road and being in front of people and working events. I mean, we do a lot of open houses and shoots. And, and I, I think that, you know, having those guys solely represent, I mean, really work for us. 
um, being able to pay their travel to do that, um, make sure that they're attending events and that they have the ability to. I mean, some of these guys have four and five states. It's a lot of ground. Um, so imagine if they had four or five states and had 20 different lines taking them into, you know, archery shops and gun shops and all this other stuff. So um, that that's really why I see the benefit to it. And we're a big enough company with the amount of lines that we have, you know, of our own that we can, we can afford to have those guys, you know, continue doing that. And we've got some really good seasoned guys too, that um, do an awesome job and, and understand archery. I think that's the other side too, is that these guys are bow experts. I mean, they, they live, eat and sleep archery. So I, that's, I mean, I, I think that's a huge advantage for us. Right. And an advantage to the dealer that are the, you know, the shop, whoever, whoever's buying or whoever's working with them. Absolutely. So, so outside the sales guys, um, customer service, um, like other sales aspects of the company and then product management engineering. So, uh, that all kind of falls under my, under my realm there, um, at Bear. And so really, I mean, from, from the start to the finish. So, um, when we come off of a year figuring out, okay, what are we designing for next year? Let's start the process. So we've got to fi- find out, okay, well, where maybe do we miss or how do we want to improve a product? Or is there a segment of the business that we're not in? And then that whole ball gets rolling of starting to, you know, look at materials and ideas and specs and, you know, what's it going to cost to machine it and um, how many can we sell? And, I mean, it, it, that's that's a cool part of the business. I mean, trying to um, figure all that out. Trying to figure all that out. So I will say that the one thing I've always loved about this industry and my job, especially now, is the fact that, the team I have is, is a really good team, one. But two, this is different than most jobs. This isn't like where guys show up at 8 o'clock in the morning at a car factory, they build cars, and they go home at 3.30, and everybody leaves them alone for the weekend, right? So the people that are working this industry, it's also part of their passion. So um, sometimes that can get in the way. because 24-7. It's 24-7, yeah. but you're, you're thinking about it, right? Cause, you're passionate about it. Yeah, you're, you're working on and building and engineering and designing a product that you use on the weekends, right? And I always said people are very um, – they're very like uh, not aggressive, but I always said you could offend somebody on a lot of things, but don't offend them on their boat, right? <laughs> That's so, right. That's like, and they take it seriously. Yeah. So it's like I, talking I, about their dog or their truck. Exactly. Tr- trucks and boats yeah. <laughs> probably offend their wife easier than you could do that. Um, so I, I think that when you have people that are working on something that's a passion project and a hobby, um, you get a lot of good out of that. But then sometimes it can get you know it can get intense as well. Oh yeah. Um, but so I, I love that aspect of it, just the passion that comes out of this thing. Um, and I just, I like the experiences. I, I, you know, I love hunting. I love being in camp with people, meeting new people. Um, just, I mean, you bump into people, you know how it is. You you go to the ATA show and a guy comes by and he's telling you hunting stories that are 15 years old, right? Right. I mean, yeah, that those are experiences. So, um, the, the bad sides, um, I think that just in general, um, you know, we, we've come out of a few tough years in this industry, um, coming up until last year. Right. And so just making sure that you're innovating and creating new products, um, this this sport innovates every year. Like it's it's amazing how much changes um, you know on a yearly cycle in terms of new product. You, do you think nothing can be done more with bows? I was and, just going to say that. That's the way I am. Like, when's it going to stop? Yeah. Like, how can you make it better? And then something comes out. Yeah. It boggles my mind. And so that part that part's extremely tough, right? Because <laughs> you sit in the room and you're like, okay, there's nothing wrong with the product we have, but you feel like you have to build something new. So what do you do? And so and then you start digging into, you know, really cool materials and uh, the way you machine things. And um, I, so th- that part is a challenge, but it's also one of the cool challenges, I guess. The challenging thing just, um, you know, comes down to when you're in this industry full time and you work in it full time, when you go home, you know, you, you, sometimes it's like 
you want away from it a little bit, right? It's, right. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but it's hard to, because it's your passion. It's your like passion. you said, it's that's your passion. So you, you live, eat, breathe it. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for talking Absolutely. about that. And Absolutely. I, I love, and you mentioned something earlier. I want to circle back to, you know, you guys, you talked about your bows from, you know, 199, you know, up to 999, you know, it just, just that wheelhouse. And I really, I had some big concerns in the industry when I saw bows outpricing guns and, and you'll know exactly what I mean. It, it, I, I literally, you know, would, would argue with some people in the industry at times to go, guys, you know, if, if there's a young man and his wife or a young woman who wants to get her kids into, into bow hunting or shooting archery, it's not good for the sport when to go out and buy a bow, a dozen arrows, broadheads, a sight, you know what I mean? And, and you know, and, and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Is, is, is going to cost you what, you know, a, a, a house payment should mm-hmm. like we're when, when people can go out and buy a gun with a scope and a box of bullets for two fifty, three fifty, And I'm like, guys, so bear archery has always, and you talked about it and you guys have stayed true to that getting a bow into everybody's hands. And I love that you guys, and not just, uh, how would I say this? Not just an inexpensive bow that's not going to work, but a bow that you're you're hard pressed. And I'm not trying to knock any of the high dollar ones here, but you're hard pressed to see a huge quality difference and even speed difference between your lower end bows and your higher end bows because you guys have quality and speed and performance built into all of them. And and I've been around you know from the bow building standpoint long enough that when I first got in this industry, what we're building right now, let's call it a two ninety nine bow only was six ninety nine and seven ninety nine even ten, twelve years ago. So because of aluminum and because of string materials and the way that we're doing limbs and stuff in Gainesville, you get a heck of a lot more bow at three hundred bucks than you used to at seven hundred bucks. Right. So I think that's But you guys have kept that you guys we, could have charged no more. you're no doubt yeah, no doubt. And I and I'm totally with you in the fact that, you know, I bought both my boys bows and I'm I'm bringing home a bow and I'm thinking, okay, I can get them into this and here's you know, with arrows and all this stuff and I've I've got I've got pieces to that. Um, and, and I'll say there are some guys that are going to want the flagship bow, right? They're going to want the top of the line yeah. and, and we build and that's that. Great. I say, that. That's absolutely fine. Some but people I, want a Corvette. That, that's exactly it. But I think if you're a company that is only building that, it's a challenge. I mean, I, I think that you're really missing um, a lot of opportunity in getting people into this sport, especially a whole family. I don't know of another bow company that can outfit an entire family. Right. From, from young, to, young to old. And that means a ton to us because we literally, well, Michelle's shot a, Michelle's mom shot a Pope and Young antelope with a bow when she was 75 years old. That's awesome. I mean, how cool is that? And at the same time, we had like Trent, who was like eight at the time, you know, shooting a bow. So, you know, we still, although as the kids are getting older, our youngest, you know, now Trent is 16, you know, all the way up, me, mom, my dad still shoots a bow. Um, Michelle's mom had a stroke recently, so unfortunately, she's not shooting a bow anymore, but the expo is still an option for her. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So she's got, you know, she's got some options um, on the crossbow side. But the fact that you guys are letting everybody into the sport at a reasonable price is huge. And I am going to brag one of the things you guys did that I love. If you have not read Fred Bear's Field Notes and you're listening to this podcast, go get it online. Get it on an Audible book. Don't you? You guys have it available on online books we now, do. too. Yes, absolutely. Get it, get it on the online book. Listen to it in the truck. Pick up a copy. You guys redid that whole series. And I grew up, I mean, it's, this is an emotional deal for me. I grew up reading Fred Bear's Field Notes. Mm-hmm. It had a huge impact. I've written multiple times over the last 
20 years in articles in Bowhunter magazine or traditional Bowhunter magazine, even Peterson's, you know, different magazines. I'd written articles about, I would mention how huge of an impact, besides my father, that Fred Bear had on, on me as far as being an outdoorsman and a responsible outdoorsman, sure. a conservationist, as well as just a passionate bow hunter, because nobody told a story like Fred Bear. Sure. No, I, I think the field notes to me also are, are fascinating, and I think sometimes when I read through them, there's obviously a message of stewardship and, and, and some really cool stuff there, but also some of the stuff just seems almost unrealistic like when you read through like this like this really happened or some of these hunts and the places he was at and yeah um it's i mean it is like going back in time bingo tigers meeting with the maharaja of india it's (laughs) like teddy roosevelt type stuff yes yeah and and that's that's fascinating to me and and i think we're trying to um tie in the legacy of our company and fred because i will say that there are a lot of people that maybe are in the hunting space that you know, maybe not know, they don't know a ton about Fred Bear, right? Or they're maybe the younger generation. And we're trying to make sure that we, we keep that historical connection, but then also that it's relatable to the people that we're trying to bring into this sport. Right. Um, and I'll say probably one of the, the biggest things that I've noticed here in the last year, traditional archery. So people think of traditional archery as kind of like the fly fishing versus fishing, right? Like spin cast fishing. Well, we've been working some of these tack events um, and some of these other shows and the amount of people we're getting that coming up asking about traditional bows that have never shot a traditional bow. Maybe they're compound people and it's now they've had this extra time last year. It's like, Oh, this is kind of a cool challenge. Like I'd like to see, am I any good with this or could I get more proficient with it? And once again, just like we do at bear, we build traditional bows from three ninety nine to fifteen ninety nine. So we sell a ton of those grizzlies and stuff. Oh yeah. We're, but I, I cannot believe the amount of um, traditional bows that have been, on order and been ordered the last year because I think people are they're trying something new, and but, it's so that's what's so exciting though. You guys have kept that heritage with Fred Bear, which is so important to me because um, Fred, you know, again had such an influence in my life and was such a good man. Every time I met him, he always stopped, he always talked, he always had time, no matter what, no matter who you were, kid, you know, it didn't matter. So that was amazing. But you know, as you mentioned, the traditional archery growing and. You know, I, I'm going to tell you that a traditional bow to me is almost easier to hunt with. You know, there's, there's. Oh, you keep telling me that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not there yet. <laughs> there's, there's. You know, it, it's like a lot of things, but there's, there's advantages to both. But I'll tell you, you know, once you play with a traditional bow a little bit, all of a sudden it's like, oh man, like for me, it's a more efficient hunting weapon sure. in my hands. And, and people have said, well, why do you want to shoot? You know, why do you like a recurve bow? And I'm like. And because it's easier, you know, some people shoot it because they look at it and they go, Ooh, I, I like this because it's more of a challenge. challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could say that I look at it and I shoot it because honestly, it's easier to me. Well, you're like, one of the best at it. So, well, I, mean, I, don't know, you I, you know, I, I get lucky sometimes yeah. and I love it, but it's just, it feels natural. You don't have to think about anything. You just draw back, look at what you want to shoot and you, and you shoot it. And that's, I mean, that's just such a neat feeling. And once you play with that a little bit, it's amazing, and I can't say that I've ever shot an animal without a recurve with a recurve bow, and didn't at some point think about Fred Bear because he's the one that really got me into it. You know, the reading, right. you know, the Valiant made, and you know, I was just in Kodiak last year, and it, you know, that's man, that's all I thought about the whole time. You know, and every time I go there, it's it's one of those things where it's like, wow, I read about this, 
you know, Fred Bear, you know, I could go to the Kaibab, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, sure. Fred Bear wrote about that giant mule deer and, I, and they all just come flashing back or Wyoming and his elk hunt and, you know, you know, his antelope hunt. It's just, there were so many, you know, British Columbia. I had to go see the Kispiox River because I was like, Fred Bear wrote about, about the Kispiox River. I've got to go see the Kispiox yeah. River. So the fact that I got to hunt near the Kispiox River to me was like, wow, I've read about this already. And, and. I know about the black bears and I knew about the thick brush, you know, that was just like a jungle, mm-hmm. you know, because of the, uh, you know, the Fred bear field notes, but I'm glad That's you brought cool. up how much traditional archery is growing. And, and I'm so glad you guys have tied in the heritage and the history of Fred bear, because he was, he was such a great man in so many ways. And, and I'm, I'm sure you probably know this, but I don't know if readers do or listeners do. So I want to share this with them back in the day, smoking, was very common. They didn't realize, you know, how, how terrible it was for your health and the lung cancer and all the other issues that it caused. Fred was a smoker, but Fred would not let a picture get published to him with a cigarette because, man, this is just emotional for me because he had, he knew there were kids like me that l- adored him, looked up to him. He was like hero status, you know, when it came to the outdoors and being the, you know, he loved animals. He made that, he bridged that gap to me from, conservation, loving animals, but also wanting to harvest animals and eat organic meat. He was the original meat eater, if you want to. Sure. You know, he oh, really absolutely. was. Yeah. He was a guy that kind of made that cool. So the fact that I learned later, you know, the en- emphysema is what ended up, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, taking him finally, but that he, he had the presence of mind to go, I'm not going to let you guys ever publish a picture of me with a cigarette because I don't want to impact one boy one girl i mean how cool is that yeah, a definition of a role model yeah somebody's gonna have an impact on somebody like that yeah. yeah and thinks about it that's exactly that to me you know and you look at some of the some of the people out there today they don't have what he had no you know they didn't absolutely. have that 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 presence of mind that genuine caring and caring for future generations and the sport and that's what i loved about him he wasn't about uh, you know, yes, it was a business. Yes, Fred wanted to make lo- money doing what he loved to do, but so did Art Young, Saxon Pope, Howard Hill. You know, I can name. Oh, yeah, no, you know, absolutely. You know, I, 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 literally, you know what I mean? Uh, Pete Chepley, you know, anybody. I, you know, I've talked to a lot of those. Of course, I'm not old enough to have talked to Art Young and Saxon Pope, but, <laughs> a lot, but a lot of them that I've talked to, it's like, wow, that's really cool. They took their passion, they worked hard, they turned it into a business. But one of the things about Fred is he was so forward thinking that I that I love the history of bear archery and, and what he did and the fact that you guys haven't forgotten it. No, and like I said, we, we know he's not here anymore, but I think that we're trying to be good stewards of the company that he built and the reputation and the name and what it stands for. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of our ultimate goal. Um, and hopefully we do a good job of it. Ah, I think you guys are knocking down the park, like the Mag Riser even, you know, Absolutely. which, you know, do we call it the Mag Riser? I think everybody knows, or, or the majority of people know the original bears, you know, when they call the magnesium risers, they were made out of actual magnesium. The Mag Riser, that's kind of more of a respect thing, right? It's, 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 it's an actual, magnesium. it's an aluminum riser right. now, but they call it the Mag Riser, but kind of a, a throwback. Like, Hey, yeah. this is the copy of the Mag Riser basically, but it's the, uh, 
aluminum riser. Yeah, we we didn't want to take we didn't want to leave the name off of it because that's obviously iconic. But that, I'm sure there's been some confusion on the fact that no, we're we are not building that out of magnesium. <laughs> right, it, it's I've, machined aluminum. I've explained panel. that a couple times, guys, because that's you know one of my favorites was an old you know gosh an old B handle that was you know made back in the 70s mm-hmm. and I was throwing the new limbs on it, shooting that, and I loved it. But when you guys did and brought back some of the old Fred Bear camo, even on the compounds, uh, to my that's buddies. Cool. I know you guys are really behind on bows because I had multiple buddies like, hey, man, hey, man, can you hook me up with all this? <laughs> you got to get me. I, I, I've, been, I've got one of these on order and I, I, I can't get, I'm like, they're slammed right now. I don't know what to tell you, but they're smoking. They're, they're, they're cranking out bows as quick as they can get them. But that was a sweet call coming back out with the old Fred Bear camo on the mag riser on some of the compound models. I mean, can you get it on all the compound models or just a few of them? No, almost anything. Um, you know, I think we kind of started off as some select stuff, but it, the popularity has been awesome. So um, we're doing it on multiple models. We're doing starting to do some clothing and some hats in it. Um, and I look around and even companies outside of like our bow side are now doing this throwback. It's not our Fred Bear camel, right? right. But it, it looks identical. Oh yeah, like very it, very similar. It, it, it's a you know it's a, a an old throwback style camo, and so it it's gotten a lot of popularity with all different ages, and uh, and so right now it's it's killing it on the bows. But yeah, we're we're backed up pretty pretty bad. We're we're trying. But uh, <laughs> it's it's really a good problem to have. But we're trying right. to get, trying to get bows in people's hands as quick as possible. Well, the old vintage stuff is just it's become cool again. That's it why is. I kept my old underwear. I told my wife that would circle back. It's coming back. Yeah, it's yeah, coming, it's coming holes back. Holes or not, it's yeah, coming it's back. It's okay. It's worth something. I'm telling <laughs> you. But let's let's talk a little bit about that because I've literally had people call me and, and even shop owners because I used to install dart target systems sure, all over the country, and that's how I got to know a ton of dealers. And that's what's fun for me as an outfitter now is a lot of these dealers and buyers still come out and hunt with me, guys that I've known for, like, just last week I was getting Doug uh, from the Outdoorsman uh, in Greenwood, oh, yeah. Indiana. I used to call in that shop. Oh, no way. Absolutely. Doug's a great yeah, guy. He was just absolutely. here. We had an absolute blast. But that's how we met. And so, you know, he's he's come out here. Some of his customers have come out here hunting. And it's that relationship that you build, right, with mm-hmm. just like your, your you guys you called on. And we had a blast. We shot a turkey together. But we were talking about how hard it is to get some products now. You know, he's like, holy cow, man, I can't get squat. Talk a little bit and, and maybe maybe help people understand that, hey, it's not that it's not that you guys aren't making more bows than you probably ever have right. or certainly recently, but, but tell them what you guys are doing to try and meet that demand because the demand right now is crazy. Yeah, so I think actually we've probably done um, a better job than most because we took some risks last year, but you got to remember there's a few things that happened. So most people went into last year not knowing, you know, what impact COVID was going to have, right? No, nobody knew COVID was coming. Nobody knew that, you know, people were going to skyrocket to buying sports equipment or whatever. So <laughs> so you set a plan to say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We did 2019. Let's call 2020 the same. And then you get to March and realize that, like, it's blowing up. Right. Like, we've got to do something. So at that point, we were shut down for a little bit. Um, April and May of last year, we, could, we couldn't build in Gainesville. So that put us back a little bit. But at that point, it was... You know, even though we're a USA built compound company doing traditional stuff, well, that doesn't mean that, you know, we make the wood you know, that, that goes in traditional bows, right? Like we don't we don't it's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's the little things, screws and right. and nuts and bolts and, and, and rubber pieces that go on like we don't can't build all of that stuff. So once the supply chain started backing up and it didn't matter if it was domestic supply chain with aluminum. I talked to another bow company the other day that said they're not getting extrusions in for handles until July. Like, so it's not just domestic, it's international, it's across the board. But once you start backing that supply chain up, 
you get yourself in trouble. And we even took some risks to say, okay, we're going to take a gamble on this, I guess, this business and, and the demand keeping up. And so we, we set orders out, I'm talking for parts and pieces, 12 and 14 months, which we've never had to do. Smart. But, but it was one of those things, okay, let's bet that this is going to continue, and that way we can, we can build the number of bows we're building. So we are, right now we're producing, on average, probably 20 to 30% more bows per week than we have. Gosh. And yet we're still backed up. On some stuff, I mean, I hate That's to say it on traditional stuff, but we're back to <laughs> Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the calls. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. But that's a great problem to have. And, that's, I, and I guess I say that because somebody that's listening to this podcast may go, man, I've had a, uh, you know, I've had this new magrizer. I've had this, you know what I mean? The Grizzly, I've had it on order for so long. Yeah. We're getting there, right? We're you guys there. are working on it. You're getting it. You're getting it licked. But it's it's literally happening all over the place, and, and I think customers are starting to get a little bit more patient because yeah, as lumber goes up, you know, you can walk yeah, into a hardware anywhere. store and see what's going oh, it's on. Off drywall, drywall, or or drive down to the car dealership and realize that there's half the number of cars on the lot than there used to be. So everything is backing up, and the supply chain is what it is. So I think people they've gotten used to waiting a little while, um, but I don't want them to wait too long. I, mean, right. I, know, I know people, like I said, this isn't a, a commodity. This is something that people are passionate about, and it's used in their hobby. So I want to get it to them as quick as possible. And, and our team in Gainesville is, is working, like, nonstop to do that. So <laughs> You guys are doing everything you can everything to roll can. those suckers. Everything suckers. we can. <laughs> and, and, keep, and keep quality up and build the best product we can, you know, so you gotta you got to be careful there, too. So Now, let's. I want to talk to you about one of the things. Just can you throw out a rough guess? And I, I'm not trying to – and if you can't, you can just say, Fred, I, I can't share that. Approximately, when you guys are just cooking, you know, the busiest that you guys have been this year – about how many bows are you rolling out of there a week? Um, can you give us a rough guess? Yeah, that? yeah, I can get you. I can give you a rough guess on the compound side. Um, anywhere between about twenty five hundred uh, plus a week in, in compounds. Jeez, imagine that, yeah. people! Twenty five thousand bows a week. Tim's over here. Tim's had. What did, what did you get your your bear, Tim? Which model bear compound do you have? You had yours even before, uh, even before a lot of the guys, because you ordered that new one. How many of the how many of the traditional bows are you guys rolling out? And that's close to twenty five thousand. Uh, that's yeah, crazy. So tw- tw- twenty five hundred a week on com- uh, on compounds. Uh, traditional, um, it it just varies from week to week. It depends on what we're building, right? Because if, if is it tough to redo like the machine set up for one and then you're, you're setting stuff up for another because a lot of hand work goes into sanding those oh yeah on the traditional risers side, down for sure on the traditional side you really have to be selective to say okay between because you remember we're using a lot of the same equipment that i mean these are the original molds back when i was there absolutely i mean we're talking this stuff is original so you know if we're going to decide we're going to build grizzlies let's say this week then we can get x amount done right so you try to stay okay we're you're hand finishing the tips and you're doing all this and, and pressing limbs and but then if we want to switch and we got to build a few ensembles and we got to build some grizzlies and super then it starts to be a little bit more challenging right because you're not gonna have the same output right because we're bouncing around but um we're bouncing around because we know that people have orders that have been on her for a long time and so if we just focus on let's say our top sellers we're going to ignore you know, limited edition Kodiaks and we're going to, you know, right. so, so we're trying to, trying to do that. But, um, you know, like I said, it varies on a couple hundred bows plus a week. But when you think about, you think about hand done, think of that. Yeah. That's, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is those are really, I know they're a manufactured bow, but you could almost call every single one a custom bow because I, I would call them custom because 100%. I've been at bear. I've watched those guys. They're artists, they're woodworkers 
and they're literally touching every single bow. They're hand sanding every Everything. single bow. They're holding the riser, getting that, you know, getting it set up the way it's supposed to be, adjusting the poundage, you know, it's, you know, by sanding the limbs down. It's an, it's, it's awesome to, would you guys, can I, I need to come back you, you know, and video you, that you, so people too. understand the, I think if, if people saw the amount of work that goes into building anything really, but, but building, especially any of the traditional line, they would wonder why it wasn't five times more expensive. Oh, no. $400 for some of this stuff is crazy. In my opinion. I mean, yeah. when, it, when it you, really when should you be look at it and five times expensive. And when people talk about a manufactured <laughs> traditional bow, they're, I take the import stuff. Like when you look at, you know, I'll use Sage and some of the, you know, those are import manufactured type bows, right? They, they turn them on CNC machines. They high output. That's not what's happening. Like, no. so, and, and once again, it doesn't matter if it's a $1,500 LES, um, 59, or if it's a, a grizzly, the process is still the same. And this is hand done from the time that, you know, the wood is, is glued up and we're cutting stuff. And, you know, like you talked about sanding and then checking the tips and then, I mean the whole process, and then it's still got to go back and be silk screened by hand. It's signed by yeah. hand. It's polished by. So it it to me is like a custom piece of furniture, right? And and I'm I'm amazed every time I go down there and and watch that process because I I love woodworking stuff. Oh, to, it, yeah. it's fascinating to me. Like, yeah, to watch that and go, I'd I'd love to do that. So, yeah. so they, well, I'm gonna have to kick out a YouTube video on that Absolutely. just to show people because I think it's I I forget sometimes the things that you're just like you you've been in the industry a long time. And we're privy to certain things, probably just like a car, you know, manufacturer that watches like all the things that go into making a, a truck or whatever it is. But to watch a bow get made and go through all the processes from start to finish, you know, like you said, especially a traditional bow, it, it is unreal to watch that happen. And then when you hold one, you go, "Man, I'm genuine. I've got a piece of I've got a piece of art here. I've and, got a, and no two are the same." Like, right, I know we we make them consistent, right? But you're going to have differences, and that's why guys talk about one bow shooting a little different, or you know the limb tips are just slight because they are custom pieces of art, and the 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 people is a challenge there too because you know it's not like on the assembly line where if you teach somebody how to assemble a compound bow, you <laughs> same know, thing every time. Yeah, if, if something happens and we have to replace people, which we don't like doing, um, we can hire people. But on the traditional side, the amount of time it takes to get somebody up to speed trained on, on how to do that it's it's incredible so that you want to make sure that you have no turnover in that department and yeah. then obviously with covid and stuff last year we had some turnover just because people yeah. were out of work and and that that's a challenge because it's not just oh show up to work one day and <laughs> learn how to build a traditional bow you're, you're a woodworker <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't know what the heck i was doing so <laughs> yeah, I, you know what as long as i've been in it and enjoyed it i couldn't finish a handle out yeah, if my life depended on it i don't think but i'm glad you brought up the the differences and how each one's unique because I do have YouTubes and I've talked a lot about tuning traditional bows and I've had the question, well, why isn't it just this brace height works for every single one? I'm like, you don't understand. Every single one is unique. So Jonathan, I'm glad you brought that up because make sure when you're tuning your traditional bows, remember each one is a custom work of art. So, you know, that brace height, what works for your buddy's bow may not be the same for yours and what works for yours may not work for somebody else's. So, you know, you'll get so much more performance. And I think that's one thing that, that, that's, that's broken my heart over the years is sometimes I've seen guys get a traditional bow, they try it and they go, Oh man, this is too difficult. Or I can't get this fine. Perfect. Man, it's, you have to tweak them a little bit. You have to, you know, learn that particular bow, make sure you get it set up with the right arrow, make sure you get the knock set correct you know and and tune it oh, and once you do that 
it's amazing. Well, that's I mean that's Archer in general, right? If if the experience is right, you stick with it. If you have a bad experience, it's it's tough to to stay with it. But I think that what I noticed coming into this, I've only been a traditional guy from a standpoint of in my backyard. Um, ever since I started in this industry, even when I sold compounds, you know, at, at PSE, I always had a, a traditional bow that I would play with, but. I just never took the time probably to advance that into the hunting system, but I'd love to. Um, but what I've noticed about the traditional community is there's a massive amount of people out there that are willing to help. Like right. the forums and they're Facebook. So great. And like there's, there are traditional groups that if you have those problems you're talking about, get on those groups and ask the question. These guys are... They'll help you dial oh, it in. Yeah, they will. I mean, every one of them's got an opinion about it, but they're a really knowledgeable group of people that they are... Like I said, it really reminds me of fly fishermen in the, in the fishing community. They they are passionate about this, and they love their sport. Um, they love the traditional community, and um, and they're willing to help. So, No, that's that, a good that, point. That's awesome. That, that is a very close-knit community, and everybody, almost everybody's willing to, to do whatever to help guys out. But I love you brought that up. Anything else you could share with, with anybody that's listening right now? You guys have any other new things you can let maybe – you know, give us a little sneak peek at, or, or you know, yeah. I know you guys are constantly innovating we, and working on stuff. And, and we're kind of right now in what I call the middle of the, the design cycle. We're kind of crunch time here. So if, if things aren't done by the end of May, it's tough to get them all completed by the time we launch in October. Right. Um, but we've got some really cool stuff on the traditional side coming. Um, you know, maybe another old product coming back that maybe nice. we'll, we'll, we'll round some stuff out um, that we've talked about. And then. We've got some new woods and some glass um, on some traditional bows, which I'm super excited about. Um, so that that's on the traditional side. We've got a couple of, um, I'll call them limited edition pieces that are coming later in this year. That uh, one of them is kind of really near and dear to me because of um, because of my age. This is super exciting. <laughs> All right, so when, when so we'll know. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about that? Um, when can we uh, give me a date that we can start like maybe giving people a little sneak? Yeah, I would say know. by October. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So this, this, perfect. One, this one's taking some time, but I think it's gonna be really cool and talking about that history and kind oh, of tying yeah. back some tradition. And then on the compound side, you know what we're doing right now really is okay. We know that we we do exceptionally well and, and own the market from call it two ninety nine to five ninety nine. So how do we? continue to give that customer the best product that at that price point it's the best value um, and i think we've got some really cool stuff and, and now we're into the point of vibration technologies and grips and um, strings and cables and accessories and oh, so the accessories you guys have the oh. site so some of the technology has gone into oh my gosh it's ridiculous we, we talk about react technology on oh. sites it's the probably the one piece that nobody knows exists until and when i talk to them and they go are you serious that's how that, that's how that works oh yeah yeah and then Okay, now I get it. Once, Once I show it, somebody, it's over. Oh yeah. And so we're taking. Um, we'll have something we'll be able to talk about hopefully late summer, early fall of taking React to the next level. Um, I'm, that could be maybe the coolest thing that's happened on the accessory side. I can't imagine in, it going to the next level because right now you just you dial it and you're dialed all the way out. It, it just saves so much shooting and tweaking it's and awesome. it's it's a it's an incredible system and it's like trying to explain how your cell phone works though right like do it i talked to one of the engineers over at your place that oh. helped put that together and he's talking to me and i'm like okay yeah it's amazing but like it's if somebody yeah yeah if i went back in time and somebody was like yeah how does a cell phone work i'd go yeah yeah i don't know you just kind of turn it on and, and i was in this industry had seen react <laughs> and didn't think much about it. Well, when I came in, the first React site I get, I, I took it home, and I, I kid you not, I tell people this, I shot six arrows in the thing with sight. And was, and was ready like, to roll. I went off center, you know, did everything, shot at 20 yards, took me three arrows there, jumped back to 40, shot three more arrows, and the thing was done. Like, who, I mean, you can't do that from 
20, it takes, 20 to 100? It takes days. No, no, no. It's usually, I mean, back in the day when you were just an individual pans, it took days. So I love that you're, I guess, I love that your accessory line has kept up with the innovation and the technology that the bows, you know, have because you guys didn't, that's not just an also ran. You guys have some pretty cutting edge technology Absolutely. and, you know, the sights, like you said, the vibration dampening things, you know what I mean? The stabilizers, a lot of the different gear that you guys have is pretty dang exciting. It is. I think just across the board, Trophy Ridge is, is one of my favorite lines because I think it's just got a little bit for everybody. Um, and then, um, you know, so we've got some new stuff there working on the bow fishing, bow fishing has gone oh. through the roof. I think also it hit and it's the, about to get even worse cause it's about to get, be full oh, on. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and last year I think people got into it once again, perfect timing with COVID, but, um, yeah, so Cajun is doing extremely well. We're working on some new crossbow pieces. You know, everybody wants the same thing in crossbow, right? They want super light, super fast and not $3,000. Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah. yeah so, there <laughs> So, so we're working on that, but um, we'll have a lot of new things to show um, throughout this summer and into into the fall. But um, I'm I'm excited at the path at which we're headed. I think that we've got great brands, great people, great partners like you. We're excited to have you. Um, I think this is kind of a cool full circle thing. Oh, it is uh, for me for sure. That, Starting out at Bear Archery and 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 being here with my family and and working with you guys and awesome story. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. So uh, we're, we're excited about it and um, looking forward to seeing what the rest of this year brings. Well, why don't you come out uh, this fall and uh, shoot an antelope with a traditional bow? Better start practicing. <laughs> we'll get how, you, how close? We'll get you dialed in. We'll I want get a small you, water we'll, bowl. We'll get you dialed in. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll get you a close shot. You'll be super comfortable. I think you should do that. I think that would be pretty I, fun. I would love it. Absolutely right. love it. Well, the next podcast we're going to talk about is antelope hunt. That's what we're going to do. I love it. Hey, Jonathan, thanks so much for taking the time um, to sit down with us, talk about you know, your position as general manager of probably one of the most iconic, iconic bow brands out there. We're pretty exciting. I appreciate it. And thanks for taking the time and for having us out. We're, we're looking forward to this partnership in the future. Yeah. Well, thanks. We're having a lot of fun. And if you want to check out some of Bear Archery's products, uh, check out the normal stuff, beararchery.com. Um, you can also check out Trophy Ridge, all the different accessories, um, and also check out some of Escalade stuff because they have a lot of fun stuff to play with, whether it's, I've got ping pong tables. I love to play ping pong. A lot of people don't know that about me and cornhole. We pretty much play every night. I know you guys are probably going to beat me, but we're playing tonight. I love it. No, yeah. Uh, Escalade sports website. You'll find out that there's, I think 52 or 53 brands now under that, under that umbrella. And, um, I have to say that everything at our house now is revolved around outdoor sports so. yeah, and everything has to do with fun it's so. a lot of fun we sell fun we say that we sell fun <laughs> we sell fun i like that there's a quote bear archery we sell phone escalate sports we sell fun Absolutely. i like it hey thanks again for taking the time to sit down with me i appreciate it and uh hopefully we'll get a turkey either this evening or tomorrow for you looking forward to it all right buddy 